my friends. Welcome to Self-Care and Soul Care for the Caregiver. I'm one of your hosts, Sandra Peoples, and my co-host, Lauren, is joining me today. We are super excited to talk to you about today's topic because we are thinking through the holidays that are coming, which, of course, we're super excited to celebrate. But being a special needs family means our celebrations look different from what we thought they would look like, like different from our celebrations when we were growing up. And they also look different from our friends' celebrations, our neighbors' celebrations. And so we just wanted to take some time today in episode 73 to talk about the challenges of celebrating holidays and and changing family traditions and all of these things kind of having to adapt to our kids' needs and Sometimes we can be resentful about that, but Lauren and I really hope through today's conversation we can reframe some of that. We can see how some of these changes can be a blessing and just thank God for even the limitations that he puts on our lives and and the priorities that we have because of our family and and their dynamics. And so Thank you so much, Lauren, for joining me for this. I, I This is going to be a really good two-person conversation because you and I have kids at different ages and different stages and uh, different things are important to you that are not, you know, not important to me. And so I'm just really excited about what we're going to talk about today. Oh, me too. And you know, this can be such a tender topic, especially during those first few years after receiving a diagnosis or going through those type of changes in your family. I remember just being really overwhelmed with how to even approach the holidays and actually feeling caught off guard for those first probably five years. (laughs) And so this is such a good conversation to have because I do want to glean from what you have walked through because you are a few years ahead of us. So my son Barrett is eight years old and he um, is diagnosed with level three autism and he's functionally nonverbal. And so my oldest is 10 and I have a little girl who's four. So we're kind of in that younger years and we have not hit our groove just yet with figuring this out, to be quite honest. Yeah. And really, I mean, one of the reasons you and I talked about doing this in October is that Halloween, I mean, however different families celebrate Halloween, but, but let's just talk about, like, there's a way that we grew up celebrating it, trick-or-treating, being with friends, and, and you kind of want to recreate some of that for your family. But for us, when James was little, Halloween was the first holiday that we were like, oh, oh, this is different, right? Like, we can't. Uh-huh. We can't put him in a costume that's itchy and we can't go door to door, even friends doors. Like we can't just stop at, well, we lived in Pennsylvania when he was really young. So we weren't even stopping at family houses. We were, it had to be friends. And then fall festivals at church are different because I mean, just, just picking one piece of candy from trunk or treat is hard. Good luck, right? Good luck with that. Yeah, I'm especially excited to talk through this with you because it affects our sibling. It affects the siblings that we're raising. Like, and that sometimes is where it's especially tender for me. And, and you've got two, you know, I've just got one. Like, so we can say to David, Hey, 
you know, you can go trick or treat with friends and, and make those kind of accommodations, but you have two kids. And so it's a little different, even that aspect of it for you. Yes. And we have felt that. And that's been really hard, especially with our oldest. Now this year will probably be one of the first years that our youngest, cause she's now four. And so she fully gets the things that she can participate in. It'll be a little harder for her too. Last year, we, we had to reimagine Halloween. Halloween growing up for me was more like the fall festival at church and I went to a private Christian school so there was a, a fall festival there and so we dressed up and we went and it was fun. My parents never like put limits on candy for us. We took our candy to our room. Nice. Like they never even like collected the candy or anything. And so I look back and I'm like, wow, they were cool parents because yeah. that is not what we do in this house. <laughs> but we, you know, we had those fun things as a family. We went together. And then with Barrett, ever since he was little, I realized when you're saying just pick one piece of candy or just get two, I mean, that's hilarious Right. to think that he is truly not going to just grab everything and then scream and throw a meltdown when we try and tell him, no, buddy, it's all done. You can't have any more. And then it makes a scene. And then my oldest is so embarrassed. And so it just, we, my husband and I had to reimagine what each holiday looks like. And we're still kind of in the middle of that as our kids keep getting older. And so last year, for instance, we decided that we were invited to a family Halloween party, just a costume party. And so we decided that my husband was going to stay home with Barrett and that I was going to take the other two. We got them dressed up. We went to the Halloween party at, um, it was a family family's house. And so we knew with all the pandemic things, it was going to be a safe place to go. And I just took them. And I will say thing, doing things like that, get a little bit easier over time because you realize like I'm doing what's best for the family as a whole. It's not what I imagined it would be, but I reimagined it into this. And this is like Barrett is enjoying his alone time with dad. My husband doesn't like to dress up. (laughs) Like if he ever walked out in a costume, I would be like, call 911. Yeah. something has gone really wrong, you know? And so they stayed home and they enjoyed their time. And then I was able to go and the other two dressed up and had so much fun. And so I think as you go year by year, it does get a little bit easier as you figure out your new groove. But in those first few years, my heart is still so tender to the families trying to figure it out because it's so shocking. You don't realize, oh, I have to figure this out too. Out of all the things, I got to figure out what's best for my family. But you can reimagine it. I would say wisdom says take it one holiday at a time. Don't try and figure out Halloween through Christmas today. Just one holiday at a time. Yeah, I agree. I think you. I think one of the things, especially when you're feeling nostalgic, especially when you think well, man, I loved doing this when I was a kid and my kids are going to miss out on this experience. I think you can maybe dig a little deeper into that and figure out what it was 
about that experience that you liked and see if you can recreate just that detail of it without all the extra. Okay. So if you loved getting together with family and do, I mean, could you recreate that in a less stressful environment, at least for some of your kids? I mean, you know, like we kind of talk about reverse engineering. And so you think of the goal and then you think of all the steps it would take to get to that goal and just kind of say, is it candy? Like, oh man, you know, like you said, we got to eat all this candy and, and I wish my kids got to experience that. Well, you can go buy candy and you can give your kids candy and they don't have to go door to door to get that candy. Or maybe it's just like getting really cute pictures at a pumpkin patch. You know, I mean, we, we see those on social media and we're like, man, my kid can't sit still and look at the camera and smile like that. But maybe you could recreate something like that and, and bring it home, buy the pumpkins, bring them home, set up some kind of like little cute thing where not everybody else is staring at you and, and trying to figure out if you're abusing your kids, you know, because of the reaction that they're having or what's going on. And so kind of recreating that photo opportunity. I mean, you know, just think about what is, what would make this feel like a celebration to me or what would make this feel special? And, and I've talked in years past, especially around Christmas, that sometimes we cross this line into almost making it an idol, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we make an idol out of the ideal holiday. And mm -hmm. we have to really guard our hearts against that to say, is it, what is best for my family? What's best for each member of my family? And am I making too big of a deal about what we're missing out on that, that my kids don't even know we're missing out on, right? Like we're trying to recreate our memories, but they don't have those memories yet. And so sometimes we're trying to force them into something and they, they don't even care. They're not interested in it. I do think we feel a lot of pressure sometimes to check all the bucket list boxes. Yeah. Like that term bucket list sometimes is a trigger for me because I think I don't have a bucket list. I have like a one thing. I just right. really hope we get to do this one thing. Yeah. Like those that have a bucket list, I'm like, wow, you know? And so I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be like, we have to go to the pumpkin patch. We have to go to a Halloween party. We have to do the fall festival. We got to do trunk or treat. We got to do trick or treat. We got, you know, and you literally list out five to 10 things for each holiday within those three months of the, uh, the final three months of the year. Yeah. And it's so overwhelming for just even a typical family to try and do those many things. There's no margin yeah. and we need margin to rest and to reset. And so for my family, my husband and I kind of decided, okay, what is the one thing that is meaningful yeah. for like the Halloween season, you know, the fall season, what's that one meaningful thing and kind of like tuning into your typical kids and it's seeing like what matters to them. And for mine, they love going to the pumpkin patch. However, we had to reimagine that. Yeah. And one of those things we did is I stuffed my pocket full of candy for Barrett to keep him happy the whole time. Okay. Yeah. Like whatever bribery it takes, just do it. Don't feel yeah. bad. No shame. No. And then the, <laughs> the other thing is we used to do like pumpkin patch with like extended family or friends and you all meet up and it's like this big thing because everyone wants to be there. Well, that actually is very stressful for us because yeah. then we're trying to meet everyone else's needs during this pumpkin patch outing and we are not having this meeting 
meaningful moment with our kids where they're they're like mom and dad are present we're having fun picking out the pumpkin i mean they love picking out the pumpkin and i'm taking you know candid pictures that are real they're happy you know but whenever we would bring extended family or bring friends it was like i need to give them attention too because they want my attention right and i love them and i didn't want to invite them and then not be present for them either but then it would overwhelm barrett because things were so different mine and brock's attention was being pulled in so many different directions we would leave and we would just be exhausted and we would feel empty on the inside like gosh that was so disappointing i didn't even enjoy it so i think we need permission to be like what's the most meaningful what do my kids really enjoy the most and then Perhaps I don't need to invite anybody else to join us. Just go and do that as a family and be able to say, that was so special and meaningful. We made a memory. Don't do things that stress you out because you know other people want you to invite them. (laughs) You know? Yeah, that's so true. And that, I mean, that's going to carry over into Thanksgiving and Christmas too. I mean, those are huge pressures, meeting other people's expectations trying to do what they want you to do. I mean, I think of like, there's a family that I know really well. And one Thanksgiving, the dad, the, you know, like the, the granddad of the family wanted to give this impassioned speech before they ate and, and this beautiful prayer. And then their little guy with autism was, wasn't having it right. Like he can't sit through all that, but the granddad was like pressing on and and then getting frustrated (laughs) And so it's like, we all have to kind of adjust our expectations, you know? So you could, as the mom, I could take the kid out and, and let the dad go on and on. Or the dad could say, well, how about I just send you guys an email later, right? Like, let me summarize. <laughs> I'll give you a copy of the speech. <laughs> yeah. Like, does it have to be right now? Or can it be during when the kids are playing or, you know? And so, and that's hard because especially on those holidays where we don't see family super often they they have their own agendas that they're coming in with and they're trying to like fit our family into their agendas and their boxes and that doesn't always work yes i know that for us whenever we go over my mom's my mom's house um there's like a toy room And Barrett just wants to be in the toy room the entire time during holidays. And so at first we would like drag him out of the toy room for prayer time before the meal or for the meal or whatever the activity was going on. We wanted Barrett to be a part of it, which is valid. So we would yank him out of the toy room and he would just be melting down because that's not why he came over he came over for the toy room yeah so we've just decided that when we go over her house for holidays and for any kind of get-togethers we just let him be in the toy room because it is less exhausting on my husband and i to manage pulling him into all the family things than it is to just be like He's happy. He's playing with toys. We, we are keeping him safe and contained. And then my other two kids are getting to actually enjoy it with the family activities without being like, man, Bubba is causing a big commotion again. This is kind of embarrassing for me. You know, it gives them space to actually truly enjoy family because they want to. And so when we finally just said, let's just lower our expectations here, he doesn't have to be a part of every moment. As he matures and grows, if he can, 
awesome, wonderful, but this is not worth it. I think we have to weigh like what's worth it. Everyone being apart and you losing your sanity. Cause I would leave and be like, I need a nap till tomorrow, you know, or wait a minute. I could leave and not be so exhausted. And he wasn't a part of it, but I got a picture with him. Yeah. You know, (laughs) just, just that it's kind of like looking at, do we really need to put what's successful on these things or just like, did we have a meaningful time? Did everyone enjoy, you know, I think we need to redefine what success looks like when it comes to holidays. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Especially as we're guiding our families on this. I mean, we, as the moms are kind of setting the temperature, setting the tone, doing most of the planning. And so we have, a little bit of control over that even with all the things we don't have control over we can kind of set the expectations and and even you know give each other pep talks in the car on the way there and this is true especially because now my boys are almost 16 and 14 and so i can say hey here's here's what we're going in for and here's what we're expecting and here's our uh if this happens here's our contingency plan you know or here's all the candy that I've got stuffed in my pocket if we need this kind of emergency stash for it. And so that's helpful too. Like I even see our older son, David, creating his own, like if he wants to go trick-or-treating, if that's important to him, he goes with his friends now. He's old enough to choose to do that. Or we have a trunk-or-treat at our church, like a fall festival trunk-or-treat at our church. And so James and I will go over, they have bounce houses. He loves bounce houses. Well, I take him over at like four, like if it starts at five, I take him at 4.30 when they're inflated, but not everybody's here yet. And so he gets like 30 minutes of bouncing and, and he, while all the cars are setting up, he can get candy from the few families that he wants to get candy from. But then by the time everybody gets there, we can go back home. And then Lee and David, my husband and older son can stay and enjoy all of that. And so that works for us, just even adjusting the schedule of getting there before it gets really, you know, if you're going to a pumpkin patch, try to go at an off time where there aren't a lot of people or that really helps us the, the crowd decreasing the number of people around. That's such a great idea. I hadn't even thought about that. Like pick the the times where there's not a huge crowd. We are going to do that for the pumpkin patch this year because that's good. And the other thing we do is we don't go to the most like fun over the top pumpkin patch that my kids, my old, my other two, they don't know they're missing out on it yet. Yeah. <laughs> we're go to the smaller churches pumpkin patch because there's not as many people. It's a smaller footprint. The boundaries are a little bit better for Barrett. And so like, if we do that as a family and my older son finds out about the one that does hay rides and has <laughs> cornhole and all those things, then what we'll do is we'll make it one of those special one-on-one with a parent date, you yeah. know, like, like you get a daddy date or a mommy date. And I think that's a unique opportunity that we have to say, hey, thanks God for this, because it's true. Like if we say we want one family memory and this is how we can do it, but then our kids, our other kids want to do something else, then we can make that a special one-on-one opportunity, which it's 
hard to come by those, especially in a special needs family when a lot of the attention naturally goes towards, you know, the child with special needs. It's great to take this opportunity and say, we might not be able to do every outing as a family, but that's okay because now we can do one-on-one dates with our other ones. And honestly, my kids more than anything love the one-on-one time. So I think reimagining that and going, okay, I'm not going to let my mind go to victim mentality because I was just talking with a friend the other day where it's so easy, like fall football games and things like that, where you want to be in the bleachers with your family, but you and your kiddo are over in the park area by yourself because that's the only place that he can play safely and it, you know, and be at the football game. And when you're in those situations where you want to be over here talking to your community or hanging out or just doing what everyone else is, the enemy can come in and really like make you feel like a victim to your circumstances. Yeah. And for me, I have to figure out the, the physical stuff of like how we're going to do events and things like that. But then I also have to figure out the spiritual stuff, the yeah. stuff that happens on the inside that a lot of people don't even know is happening because I'm at the thing with a smile on my face, but I'm actually disappointed. I'm I'm disappointed that I'm not in the bleachers with my friends hanging out. And I have that stress of, is he going to elope or, you know, whatever that is, I have to remind myself, I am not a victim to this situation in my life that God's power and his strength takes over at my weakness and he can give me a better perspective and he can turn my disappointment into hope and just not sitting in that. When I sit in it, I don't enjoy anything. That's what I'm learning. But when I'm able to get out of that with my honesty, giving my honesty to the Lord, then it's like I can enjoy anything so much better (laughs) after I do that. And so I think that's important too, to kind of look within and be like, what's going on? What's the conversation in my heart about all of these things? Because I can figure out all the tips and tricks, but my heart still might not be in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can grow resentful. And then- We're growing resentful of our our kid who we think is holding us back from all these things. And so we're not at our best when we're parenting, when we're resenting our, for us, a him, you know, we're resenting him and and what we have to do to meet his needs. And, And then we resent God because ultimately all things are under his control. And why can't he just make this easier for me and for us and for everybody involved? And so I'm really glad you brought that up because it, it's real and it's hard and it, and we have to show each other compassion in those moments and say, you aren't alone. You're not the only one feeling this way, the the disappointment or the jealousy or the um, just being left out of what looks more fun that's happening over there. I mean, your football game analogy is great because it's like, I grew up going to Friday night football games in the small town I grew up in and my family can't do that. And, and so I, I feel a loss of that, even though my kids aren't experiencing that loss because they didn't grow up with it the same way. And so we're having to adapt even to little things that just are part of the natural rhythms of families, as, even apart from holiday celebrations. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it's important to help our neurotypical kiddos um, reframe 
things for them too. Like what I mean by that is my oldest son, who's 10 brave. There are things that he wants to do that sometimes we cannot do in that that same way, you know, and he's starting to feel that because he's 10. And so with brave, we really try and bring in what the Bible says about the least of these and that we have been given an opportunity to daily serve um, Barrett, who is in the least of these category, if you will. And as we do that, we are being the hands and feet to Jesus. So when we do that, yes, there's going to be some sacrifices on our end, but kind of expanding that so they see it as a whole for the rest of their life, that there's always going to be something that they are working through that they're having to self-sacrifice for. It's not just because your brother. I don't want like these fingers always just pointed towards autism or towards Barrett, but to realize like, listen, this is hard, but no matter what family you are in, there's going to be a situation there that you don't really want to go through, yeah. or you're going to have to put someone else, someone else's needs above your own when you're married. You yeah. know, like, let me tell you what it's like to be a husband, like what God says about being a husband. You know, you have to love her like Christ loved the church. Like, I really think it's important to take this one situation and then shed light on it for other future situations or things that they're going through in school, that it's a way to develop that muscle of saying, you know what, I'm going to put this need, I'm going to sacrifice this for the sake of someone else, because that's what Christ did for me. And when I start putting things into the eternal perspective and through the perspective of Jesus, I typically get convicted and I'm like, okay, you know what? We're going to be okay. Not that we're minimizing that it hurts or there's disappointment there. Oh, no, no, no. We need to talk that out with the Lord. But let's not let it take over our theology. <laughs> let's not let it take over how our kids, our neurotypical kids, are seeing what's going on. I don't want them to have a perspective of, woe is me. I never get to do anything. It's all their fault. Because honestly, with or without special needs, you can get into that mindset and things are going to happen. Like, you know, my son's not going to to get the, the role he wants in the musical that's coming up or whatever it is. And so I think kind of expanding that it goes beyond special needs and we're not in just this situation like, like by ourselves, like no one else in the whole world ever experiences yeah. disappointment or ever has to, you know, let someone else go before them. I think kind of expanding that view with our kids has been really, really helpful, at least for my 10 year old son. It's made him kind of be like, oh, like a light has gone off. Okay. I'm not alone in this. I'm not a victim to this. Yeah. I hope that makes sense, but that's been super helpful for him. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And we, we have to, we remind David, Hey, you're part of this family unit and families sacrifice for each other. And here are some things that we sacrifice for you. Yes. You sacrifice for us and we sacrifice for James. I mean, this is, we're all mutually in this and God knit our family together. We're together for a purpose. And so we have to work these things out within our families. And there's so much about other families that we don't see. And so sometimes I can say to David, well, you know, your buddy who is the oldest of six kids, do you know he he babysits a lot. Did you know that? You may not know that, but his, and so you're not the only one like mm -hmm. sacrificing for siblings, you know? And so 
kind of doing those reminders occasionally, especially now. I mean, like your son is 10, the older they get into those teenage years, you can keep pointing out different ways that other families are serving the church or the community or their families. Or, I mean, like David has this good friend and her grandfather was sick. And so the, the friend went and stayed with the grandfather to help him recover. And so I was like, see how she's so, like, she's doing laundry. She's doing these things to serve her family. So it's yeah. not just you serving your brother, all family units serve each other. It just looks different for each one of us. And so kind of, and you know, teenagers, I mean, they, they've got tunnel vision. They, they're in their heads so much. It's hard to pull them out of that, but, but we can tend to be that way too. And we can think we're the only moms who are missing out on whatever it is. And, and we can remind each other. The other thing we can do is if there's something that's really important to us, we can build that for other people. Like when we lived in Pennsylvania, it was kind of an agricultural area. And so picking apples and, and those kind of things was really fun. And, and so instead of thinking, well, we're going to miss out on that, we would create events where we invited other special needs families and we just kind of took over, right? Like on nine o'clock on a Saturday morning so that you don't feel like you're standing out as much when there's three or four other special needs families and you're all in the same boat and you're all having the same struggles. And then you can look around and say, Oh, my kid's not the only one eating the apple instead of picking, you know, like they're supposed to, or, or blueberries. I mean, you know, with strawberries, we would pick everything up there. And so that was, that was helpful to me to say, if it, if I really want to do it, can I create it for other people? And can we come together um, and do it? in a way that meets James's needs, but other people can be involved in it instead of, I mean, it's almost like, like we have a class at church and we call it reverse inclusion. So it's built for James and his teenage friends, but the typical teenagers can come in and be a part of that class. They just know that it's designed for the teenagers and young adults with disabilities. And so we can do that with activities. We can say, okay, it's designed for, these kids and their needs, but the rest of us can kind of pile on. Instead of fitting our kid into another box, we just create a new box and then we invite everybody to come join us in that activity. I love that idea because it's true. Like, if you go alone, you kind of feel highlighted and like, am I stepping on everyone else's experience that's here? But whenever you say, let me bring community with me, it's, it gives you that confidence to do it yeah. <laughs> and it makes it feel more comfortable and fun because you're like, I'm not alone in this because Barrett would be the one throwing the apples. You right. Know what yeah. I'm yeah. So <laughs> I totally think that's great. You know, this reminds me of, this summer, we went on a family vacation for the first time ever. And when we went to this vacation, we stayed at a resort and we stayed on a smaller resort property. And because we stayed there, we actually had free access to their parent resort that was much larger. It was way bigger resort. My family used to stay at that resort. And so anyways, when we got there, my whole focus was, I just really want to be able to go spend time at that other resort. We stayed at the smaller one because we assumed that it would be easier for Barrett, but also the um, housing, like the way, the way that you stayed had like 
like a kitchen and laundry and things like that at the smaller resort. It was just a better fit for our family. But the whole time I kept thinking to have like the best time, we've got to get to the bigger resort because that's where everyone's having the most fun. It's larger. There's more things to do over there, etc. And so we spent a day and a half at our resort and had the best time. It was like the Lord really, his favor fell upon us and everybody had a really great time. Did we do things a little different? Yeah, of course we did, but we all had a wonderful time. So then I finally was like, okay, let's go. Let's try out the bigger resort. We're going to have an even better time. So we pack up the family. We drive five minutes across the road. Basically we get there and the parking lot is just huge and it is full which should have been the first warning sign. <laughs> but I was determined that we were not going to miss out on this experience. Yeah. And so we park and we walk all the way into this big, huge resort that's gorgeous and beautiful and all the amenities and more. And we were not there 60 seconds. And we looked at each other, my husband and I, and said, we have to leave. This is Aww. not the space for us this is overwhelming. This is overstimulating. This does not feel like fun because of all the people that were there. And so we turned around and got back in the car. Well, our other two neurotypical kids were upset because they were told by me, the smart (laughs) mom that I am, oh, this place is going to be so much fun. So I had gotten their expectations up and Barrett was happy to turn around and leave. And we got in the car and I had two kids disappointed. And then me and my husband had put out a lot of energy just to do that, to head right back to where we came from to enjoy. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit was really highlighting to me in Psalms where it says your boundary lines. I have put them in pleasant places. Indeed, you will have a beautiful inheritance here. But you keep looking outside your boundary lines thinking that's where I'll flourish. That's where I'll have most fun. If I can just figure out a solution and problem solve and scoot my boundary line further out, then I will feel satisfied and content with my life. But what I learned that day is that smaller resort that had not as many amenities my family flourished there and we're going to go back again next year. It was such a beautiful time together when we stayed within the boundaries that God designed for our family. But when we tried to push it and do what everybody else was doing, it did not work out. We had disappointment. We had frustration. We were all overwhelmed and overstimulated and we couldn't have had fun there as a family. So God, he's a father and he knows what's best for us. And he gives us the provision we need within our boundary lines. We don't have to go outside our boundary lines to the larger resort to obtain our provision and bring it with us. No, we can cultivate it right where he has planted us and reminding our other kiddos of the same thing. Hey, I'm walking this out with you. God knitted our family together. These boundary lines went through his sovereign hands, just like autism did. And so we can trust him. Let's bloom and let's flourish right here at the small resort. Don't let's, we're never, we're never going over there again. You know? (laughs) Yeah. I love that. It's such a good illustration. And that's one of my favorite verses. I love, I mean, I, I repeat it to myself all the time. These, these boundaries are for my good, from my good father who loves me, yes. loves my family, and I'm not missing out on anything that's meant for me 
because I couldn't, I, he wouldn't allow that. And so I can stay in my lane within my boundaries and live out the purpose that he has for me. And even the fun things that he has planned for me, all will happen within this. So yes, boundaries, they're not barriers. That's what I try and teach my children. But honestly, I'm just reminding myself of that, of yeah. that too, yeah. that truth. These are boundary lines. They're not barriers. And if someone else gets something that I wanted, that wasn't for me anyways. God will make sure that I get whatever he has orchestrated for me. And that encourages me. So even if I can't do all the things this October, <laughs> which apple picking sounds amazing, yeah. even if I can't do all of those things, I know that I'm not going to miss out on the treasures and the blessing that God has for me and my family if I'm being obedient to stay in the boundary lines he's designed for, for me and for my family. So that's encouraging. <laughs> it is encouraging. I agree. I think that's a good place to wrap up too and kind of transition into our prayer time. And um, man, it's been such an encouraging, sweet conversation. I mean, I, I feel like I can look forward to not only the fall, like the Halloween and all the things around that, but also Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and just kind of get in the right mindset uh, for what God has planned for me and not chase after things that are outside of his plan. And so um, let's pray together. God, just thank you so much for community, for conversations like this where we can share the things that we struggle with and find encouragement from each other and be reminded of the encouragement that we find in your word. I just, it's such a sweet, sweet time <laughs> to just take these few minutes on this day and to just plan out what we want to do, what we want the next few months to look like. Do we want to flourish in this time or do we want to be so focused on what we're missing out on that we make everybody around us miserable because we can't get uh, past the idol of an ideal holiday just guide our hearts god be be the tender father that you are and and show us opportunities for joy and for celebration and for connection and even if that doesn't look like how we thought it would look we know that it's part of your plan for our lives and that it is just as important as the memories that we have or the pictures that we see from what our friends are doing that we feel like we're missing out on. So thank you for uh, the celebrations that we will have, the family time, the, the beautiful weather that's coming and, and just all of the things we can celebrate that are good, good gifts from you. And just remind us that that, that doesn't have to look like a cookie cutter version of somebody else's story or somebody else's celebration in order for it to be joyful. And so just bring that joy into our lives. Help us to focus on you and just thank you for your hand that guides us through it all. It's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So friends, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We just love that we get to hang out with you. When we had that big Facebook outage this week. I was like, oh dear God, please don't let us lose the Facebook group. Because <laughs> I was afraid that, because I heard like that it was a big, not just a small problem, but a huge problem. And I thought, 
Now, I, it could erase my friend list, and that would probably be okay. Like, I could rebuild that. But I was like, please don't erase the Facebook group that we love so much. And so, friends, if you're not in that Facebook group, we would love for you to join us. Come join us in there. It's Abiding Caregiver Facebook group. And then we would also love for you to take a minute to leave a five-star rating or a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Since we relaunched last month and Lauren joined us as a co-host, we would love some updated feedback from you on what you're enjoying about our conversations and, and our solo episodes and just hopefully how you've been encouraged over the last month. And uh, thank you for being a part of this community and, and when you leave one of those reviews or ratings, it tells somebody else that this is the right podcast for them, that they will spend 30 minutes being encouraged and supported and uplifted. And that's really uh, what our goal is, right? So that we can practice good self-care, good soul care, so that we can abide in Christ and live out the calling that he's put on our lives. So we'll meet you back here next Thursday. It will be a solo episode from just me. So I'm excited about what God will lead me to talk about. But just thank you so much for your time. And we will see you in the Facebook group this weekend.